0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Welfare. I'm Amy Lane and each week we break down the barriers to running so you can get more from your time in your trainers. I'm currently taking an extended break to learn how to juggle a toddler and a newborn, but that doesn't mean you have to rest up too. So I thought it would be handy to revisit some of our most loved and most listened to episodes from the past season's. The advice and expertise is as useful today as it was back then. So prepare yourself for the cracking tips from the experts around the globe. Together, we'll help you reach your running goals this year. Today's episode is a rerun from season one, and it's a fabulous mix of expert advice and inspiring run chats, plus a 16-week guide tailored to support your marathon journey. So if you've started 2022 with that goal in mind, or if you are just keen to run for fun, then we are here to help you through. Keep up the good work and when you start flagging, why not get involved in the Wellfar Strava Club or support each other from afar on Instagram using the hashtag Wellfar? I hope you enjoy this episode and I really hope it helps you to keep going Wellfar this year. Welcome to Well Far, the weekly running podcast that will be by your side as you train for twenty six point two. It's hosted by me, Amy Hopkinson. By day, I'm Women's Health Digital editor, but when not in the office, I'm a marathon runner too. So this year, with the race on the horizon, I'm here to help with blisters and bruises, runners' highs and lows, what to eat before Sunday run day, and how the heck you refuel after. There is so much advice in this week's podcast, so keep listening because I have some great tips and tricks coming up for you. Welcome back, Welfare Crew. I'm back, and today's episode comes to you from Paris. Around about now, in real time... I'm no doubt 30% croissant d'eau, 40% nervous and 30% super excited to be towing the line at Paris Marathon. So as you lie in bed and set off on your morning run figuring out how you're going to attack today's miles, know that I'm doing the same many miles from home in Paris. Over the past 15-16 weeks, <laughs> you guys have kept me running as much as you tell me I have you too. I won't lie. I did start out on this marathon journey with big hopes of a fast time. But then life happened, a wedding happened, this brilliant podcast happened, which I'm not sure if you guys know, but I obviously record around my day job a lot of the times. And so I am juggling a lot. And I realise that I couldn't kind of keep putting so much strain on my body and mind. And so one of the things which I could do to make it a bit easier was rather than chase a time was just to chase my dream goal. And that's completing a marathon in another country. So times and that kind of added pressure slightly went out the window and in came the the vision of crossing, crossing the finish line in Paris, not injured and with a smile on my face. To be honest, each week of my training has looked totally different and hasn't been marathon perfect. But being realistic about what time I had to train this marathon helped me be kinder on my body and mind and focus on that achievement, that big goal of running 26.2, and tune out of what my watch was saying. That kind of focus of being proud of my body is something which I've spoken to quite a lot of my guests about. From the very inspiring run chat with Katie Piper, who explained the barriers that she has to overcome when it comes to exercise, to this week's guest, Briony Gordon, who used running to get sober and find respect for herself, we've highlighted the benefits of exercise beyond steely abs and race times. You focus on your goal and keep attacking it until you get there, because that is really inspiring and motivating. With any race that you run or any run that you do, really don't get to the end of it and compare your time with other people. Just be proud of it and kind of enjoy that moment and then walk off with a little skip in your step and celebrate because you have done a really good job. And doing a good job leads me on to what I've been doing this week before heading to Paris for the marathon. Okay. So one of the things that I've been doing this week is gradually increasing my carbs and just making sure that whatever's in my lunchbox or on my dinner plate is kind of 50% carbs to gradually increase it. I didn't want to get to a few days before the marathon, freak out, suddenly start stuffing my face with pasta and pizza and stressing my system, I suppose, with foods that I wouldn't normally eat on repeat. So I thought that I would just take the approach of gradually adding it in if you want to know more about marathon nutrition, do go back to episode seven in this series where I have a great chat with a sports nutritionist called Anita Bean. Later in the show, i have a chat with Emma about getting race ready. That's Emma Kirk Odenoubi. And in that chat, I say that it's episode six that Anita's on. She's not. She's on episode seven. Episode seven, guys. Go back to that one. The other thing which I've been doing is I've been ensuring that I am hydrated every day. I've been starting the day with a pint of water with an electrolyte tablet in, and I've also been ensuring I've been swigging from my Swell bottle all day, every day, because there's been so many times that I've been told that going into a race hydrated is really key to performance. And on that subject of being hydrated, I have cut out the wine and the gin and tonics this week. So... It's been a little less interesting, but it has meant that I have been sleeping better and also I'm as hydrated as I possibly can be because we all know that alcohol dehydrates us. So for one week out of this marathon cycle, I haven't been having any booze. I'm just having water, electrolytes, kombucha and plenty of cups of herbal tea. So the other thing that I've done is I've obviously been really dialing down my exercise because I am in the taper. So on Monday, I did a treadmill session. On Tuesday, I went into the gym and we just did some activation work and light strength work, mainly using body weight in a TRX. There is a TRX exercise move on my Instagram grid, if you guys want to look at that. And then Wednesday, I went to yoga to stretch out and also went on a 20 to 30 minute kind of shakeout run. Thursday, I stretched at home. I'm really, really loving all the free stretch videos on YouTube, so do check out Mind Body Bowl, Annie Clark, or Yoga with Adrienne, she's got another one. And then Friday, when I arrived in Paris, I went on a bit of a shakeout run, just to kind of get myself moving after sitting on the Eurostar, and also just to get familiar with Paris. Yesterday I did a stretch in my hotel room and my activation work and that was it. The other thing I've done is I spent a bit of time prepping my race day kit and that was including um, my breakfast for before the marathon. So I actually bought myself a load of instant porridge pots and I've been eating them all week just to make sure that I'm used to them, I suppose. But um, yeah, I wanted to have something in the morning which I could just fill up with hot water, eat a couple of hours before the start of the run and then off I went lastly I've been prepping my playlist in fact here's some great news for you guys that landed in my inbox this week New Balance has actually created marathon playlists based on mile pace goal time so if you want to run a seven minute eight minute or nine minute mile there's a playlist for you all you need to do is go onto to Spotify and search for New Balance UK and it's all there for you and then the biggest bit of news there is a bonus episode of Wellfar for London runners coming, guys. Yep, you asked me for it and it's going to be epic because I have the most inspiring female runner for you guys to listen to whilst you're doing your 26.2. So get out your phones, pop in a reminder to download Wellfar on Saturday the 27th of April and it'll be there ready for you guys on race day. And on the subject of race day, it's now time for me to do mine. So off I go to the Paris start line. I will be trying to share as much of my run as possible on Instagram like I did last year. Um, I'll also be looking out for the other runners on the course. So that's Infinity Fitness Journey, Steph Ryan and Ellie Running. You've all been part of the Wellfire crew in running today. So I hope I see you and good luck to you guys. Here's to running our best and taking in the moment. And now on to you guys listening from home. A big thank you to you guys for your support for this show, your feedback, all your kind comments and Instagrams using the Wellfire hashtag. You've really made it a joy and a pleasure to be doing this podcast I will be back later in the year with more help, support and epic guests to help you go well far in our trainers and life. So do look out for that. But in the meantime, please, please, please do give us one last rating review on your podcasting platform because it really helps us get the support to make this podcast a reality. So over and out Welfare crew, let's all do this. And just like that, guys, it is our last episode of Welfare. Slightly tinged with sadness for me, but also I am very excited to be back in the studio with Emma, who actually kicked off our marathon series. So welcome back, Emma. Thanks so much for having me back. Today we've got a really big episode. We need to go through the best advice for race day and the week before because people are starting to freak out about it. <laughs>
1: it's It always happens. So is it normal? Very, very normal. Your maranoia will be in full flow by now. <laughs> maranoia! Yeah, it's a term that's that's real life and it's used and it's basically when you're going through those final stages and you start to pick up on everything. A niggle that was never there, that you just find out of nowhere, it's probably a maranoia and it's not really there.
0: So to kick off... It's one week before race day. Imagine that. What should our runners be doing?
1: So already you should have tapered down your distance. You shouldn't be running anything too far or too hard. You just want to build that body kind of down to race day, basically. Nothing too intense. um, Not eating any too much differently. Um, Just trying to keep your body ticking over until, until race day
0: because it is marinoia so when marinoia kicks in you suddenly think don't you have i done enough oh my god i need to do more and then oh my god everyone's eating this or i haven't tried that gel
1: (laughs) (laughs) the worst thing you could do (laughs) so
0: just silence all of that
1: exactly silence it stick with your routine stick with what you've been doing for the past 16 20 weeks there's no point in changing anything now stick with what you know
0: and so during this taper how do you recommend that people keep moving without potentially running too much? Because I think there is this worry or also this feeling of feeling sluggish during a taper.
1: Definitely. And I can say that I felt like that as well before. I've been almost itching and sitting there being like, I need to move. I need to do something. I'm going to lose all that kind of mileage I've built up or lose yeah. all that endurance because now I'm not doing anything. Your body's clever. Your body will have stocked all that mileage and everything else. So trust that your body knows what it's doing. In terms of for you to just try and calm all of that, I definitely just say get out and walk. Walking will be really easy. So instead, say you normally would get the tube to work or take a little bit more time to start earlier and do a little extra walk before you get to the tube or walk to the next stop. So you can just feel yourself kind of relax a little bit more. You're not stressing too much. And you think, oh, actually, instead of that run, I did actually get a few more miles in in the legs. So you're still ticking over. Uh, Another thing that I did a lot of, I did a lot of yoga. So you're still moving, but then also just helping your muscles to recover and kind of not stress them out too much. And then lastly, I'd say, do you know what? A little run is not going to hurt you. A lot of programs so my program that I did before I did London had a couple of short runs just in that final week. Nothing too hard, not too much kind of intensity from like a speed perspective or anything like that. But a few three miles just to tick the legs over, calm yourself so that you know that you can you can still run because that's a big panic for a lot of people. They'll kind of have big miles leading down to the day and then actually come race day be like, well, I haven't run that far in ages, so I'm not sure if I can still do it. So just get a few couple of small mileages in the week and that that should really help. It's all about that final week, just storing all that energy that you're mm-hmm. trying to build for race day. So... For me, I would try and have a little bit of a lion, if possible. But yeah, try and stick to routine because you're used to it. And if you change your routine, then that's when sometimes things will go out the window.
0: Because I think you can hold... It's something like your body can store 2,000 calories, isn't it? And that's like the maximum. So you want to go into race day with all of that in your muscles.
1: Exactly. So everyone hears about carb loading in Mm. that final week and kind of say, I'm no nutritionist, but there is a tell to say to people, look... Don't increase your calories, but mm. increase the percentage of those calories that are carb based, just so that means your body is able to take on that fuel and store it a little bit more. That's one big thing of advice I say. Don't eat more calories, but just change the percentage of those calories. If you if you understand your nutrition and everything else. If not, definitely get some advice um, from nutritionists or people that that know about.
0: It's actually something we discussed, I think, in episode six So quite a long time ago now, um, but guys, go back to it. I had a great nutritionist on the show called Anita Bean and she went through exactly what you guys need to be eating. So if you are worried about that, flip back to episode six and also look her up. She does also have a cookbook for runners.
1: Mm, Mm. Very good.
0: Special runners recipes. And so we've covered off keeping moving and running, but obviously a big part of your programme and a big part of my programme is strength training. Do you continue to strength train in your taper?
1: So taper for me personally kind of begins around three weeks. So when I did London, I did my longest run three weeks out before race day. So from that point afterwards, I had a couple of days rest after my longest mileage. And then I still keep up with my strength stuff. I still did two, three strength training sessions a week. And then dropping into that final, say, 10 days, I did maybe one. So I would definitely reduce it, but still keep the key core movements. still keep things that are going to switch on your glutes, that are going to wake them up. You don't want to totally cut anything that's legs because you're scared that you're going to feel it in your legs. If you've had that strength training going on throughout your program, you've been doing it for three months. So you continuing isn't going to be a bad thing. But obviously, you don't want to be maxing out and doing one rep maxes and kind of (laughs) lifting 40 kilos for the first time. Like, that's not what you want to do. You want to keep things nice and consistent. But yes, I I definitely tapered down a little bit so that it just gave my legs a little bit more life come race day.
0: You know, there is that kind of like danger, isn't there, though, during the taper that you're suddenly like, well, I'm not running. I'm going to go try something else. Whereas actually, that something else would be way more taxing on your body and also give you DOMs and all that type of stuff.
1: Definitely. And I think... One thing I'd say to people as well is if you do something in the week and you do get a little bit of an ache from, say, that weight session, if you did switch it up slightly, don't panic. Your body will still recover. You've built it really strongly over the last few weeks. So don't worry if you do actually start to feel a little ache from that session you did and then panic. Oh, no, did I do too much? Trust your body that it knows what it's doing and then it will be absolutely fine. And yes, stick to what you know.
0: Sticking to what you know, trainers... yes (laughs) yes <laughs> when is the last cutoff point for buying a new pair of trainers before marathon day
1: okay so first thing i will say and it sounds really silly but i have seen multiple people do it is do not buy your new shoe the day before race day <laughs> you laugh but i have seen a fair few people that have come to the expo and gone i'm gonna buy my trainer for tomorrow do not do it, guys. Trust in what you've done before. If you did listen to what I was saying in the first episode, you kind of will already know what shoe you work with, know what works really well. In terms of changing through trainers, sometimes I say to people, your running shoe, if you bought it at the start of your marathon journey, it will last up to marathon day and the marathon itself. Mm. Some people will say, like myself, I like to have two shoes on rotation. So if I'm going to have a new shoe coming into race day, the latest I will build it in to be comfortable with that will be three to four weeks before race day. Okay. Just so that one, I've had chance to get at least an hour, two hours running in it, knowing that I have no problems because the last thing you want to do is do your longest mileage in that shoe come race day and have not even tested it over 5K, 10K. So you need to know that my feet are going to be fine. And it'll be one thing also to settle the paranoia Don't bring anything new in yeah. and then start panicking really early. It's, it's not good for you. And a question that I do get a lot is if you do change your shoes and it's exactly the same model, yes. do you have to break it in as much? The answer would probably be no, but you still need to at least have done a couple of 10Ks in it because you need to make sure, one, that that model is exactly the same as the model previous. Instead of being saying an update from the model prior there may have been changes. So also be aware of that.
0: Okay. And the Expo, we've mentioned it a couple of times. It is such a huge event with so many things to see, so many things to do and a very high footfall. Do you have any tips for people heading there this year?
1: Firstly, the Expo is incredible. You'll see loads of different brands. You'll meet loads of different runners about to take on the race just like you are. It's an amazing experience. So do, if you can kind of spend a little bit of time there. Emphasis on little bits of time. You can definitely get carried away and be there for an entire day, walk 25, 30,000 steps. And yeah, it can be super tiring. So I would definitely say from an expo perspective, if you can get there in the week, I believe last year it opened on the Wednesday with race day being the Sunday. If you can get there on the Wednesday evening, Thursday evening, something like that, even the Friday evening, that will give you then time to be able to, it sounds silly, recover before race day. A lot of people I know have been on the Saturday. They end up walking lows, They end up eating all the snacks that they give you, which, by the way, are great. But then it comes Saturday evening and you're buzzing off all the food that you've eaten. And then you're panicking, thinking, I need to sleep. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So Expo, I definitely say it's an awesome thing to do. You'll have a great time, but try and do it earlier in the week rather than going to that final Saturday.
0: Great, great advice there um more advice from you which i'm keen to get is about sports massages obviously we all know that we should be on top of these during our training the number of us that probably are is quite small but um marathon week do you believe in booking one before the marathon do you believe in booking one straight after where do you stand on sports massages
1: so i love myself sports massage The key thing that I did last year is I had my last massage on the Monday before the race. So pretty much six days prior to race day. One, so any tension spots that needed to be flushed out were done and then my body could recover Mm -hmm. and repair from having that kind of done. And also to put your mind at ease to know, right, I've had that. That's ticked off the list. Now I can continue with my light walks, with my yoga and just Mm -hmm. continue keeping nice and loose and ready for the race. In terms of close to race day, I would say maximum three days before. All the kind of sports massage therapists out there will definitely be able to give you this advice. But I would say, yes, three days before roughly, maybe even two. But you don't want that massage to be any form of intensity whatsoever. Mm. You don't want it to affect those muscles or go too deep.
0: And what about after? Do you book one in for the day after? Do you book one in for... That day?
1: I personally will always make sure I've had at least 48 hours post race day. Now, this advice came from my osteopath who is called Rebecca Root. She's incredible, balanced osteo. She told me at least two days, and it's to do with how your muscles are recovering. So, after race day, you've put it through a distance that it's never gone through before, if it's your first marathon, and those muscles need to recover. They'll be inflamed, they'll be trying to heal. So, if you then go to someone straight after, or even the same day which i just never would do they're really really sore already Mm. the only thing maybe that some people get is kind of a flush out so it's not really anything too intense it's just to kind of keep the muscle moving and help it cool down but for me personally if i want to get a proper good go at my body afterwards (laughs) i will give it at least two three days
0: how about foot care in the week leading up to and straight after a marathon
1: It's kind of a running theme, I've said. Try not to change anything too drastically. Um, For race day specifically, I would make sure that your toenails are short. Mm. Sounds simple, but obviously your shoes have been fitted, you've been running in them with all the mileage and everything else. If something as simple as your toenails being long means that you lose a toenail (laughs) or you get bruising on your toenail, you will be so upset that you just didn't cut them. So i definitely add that to kind of your night ritual prior to race day, make sure those toenails are nice and short. Um, There's a lot of information banded about about if you think it is going to be say a super hot day and you're worried about blistering a little bit more because blisters come from heat moisture so and friction so if you are running on a hotter day then it may be more likely now some people talk about moisturising their feet a lot more to help with that that can just basically mean so the friction isn't happening between your foot and the sock and that you've got a little bit more of a layer of kind of movement there if you've done it in your training you know it works really well and you've attempted it, then by all means, go ahead. Um, Again, back to my favourite, don't change things if you don't need to. Uh, But foot care in general, my favourite little spiky ball, roll that out the night before, get your foot underneath it while you're relaxing, watching the telly, just to loosen out any little last nooks and crannies in the feet that are causing a bit of tension so that you're feeling great for the day.
0: On race day, do you have a routine which you follow?
1: Yes, so I will always... Just before race day, the night before, I will do a flat lay. Reason being, one, it helps me get into the zone of almost preparing mentally for what I'm about to do the next day and what I'm about to take on. But another key thing it helps me actually make sure I have all the kit I need for the day. So I can lay out my kit, I have my bag then on the side and then as soon as I've done that flat lay, I will then put that all into my bag. So I know that I have everything. I'm not panicking first thing in the morning and trying to stutter about where things are because I've already done it pre-day. So that's one thing I definitely do. Come race day itself, I will just go through the normal routine I've done on a Sunday when I do my long run. So It's possibly a little bit late now, but I would always make sure that when I'm building up to my longer runs in the end of my programme that, right, I know that race day is at this time. Sounds pedantic, but I will go, right, I will try and make sure that I'm out the door at this time so my body gets used to running at that time. So be that, make sure that my breakfast is at a certain time so that come race day, it's no different. I know what I'm eating. I know what I'm going to do. That takes one other stress off my body and just gets me ready for the race itself.
0: Great tips there. And... Do you plan music to run with on race day?
1: Definitely. So along with the flat lay night before, I will set up my playlist. So a lot of the songs that I will have will either be songs that I've had in my runs prior that I know when I've got to a hard place in my run, I will need. Mm. They will be songs getting a bit more technical that will link to my cadence. So uh, I spoke about it before. Cadence is your turnover of foot. And a lot of people may know their cadence or where it should be at. And what I try to do is link songs to my cadence to try and help me keep up so basically it's like running to the beat so if i feel i'm struggling at one point or no actually i need help to just zone into my running then i will click that song and go i know that that will help me to just run to the beat and stay calm and steady
0: and how do you know what the beat of a song is
1: so what i do use our favorite friend google and i literally just type in what songs are at let's say your cadence needs to be 170 strides per minute yeah, You can type that into Google and it will actually come up with playlists or songs at that beat per minute. I don't have loads of those songs on my playlist, but they're definitely there just so if I'm panicking and uh, mid-run and I'm feeling exhausted, I can put that on and go, OK, let me just dial everything back in, relax, run on the beat, and that's all I need to do.
0: One of the questions which I've had asked a lot via Instagram, um, I put out to readers and followers to say, what do you want me to ask today in the studio? And they said tips for avoid hitting the
1: dreaded wall with london if you're doing london specifically the course is filled with spectators the mm. whole way round. so it's an incredible vibe any race to be fair any big marathon in any city there's a huge amazing kind of outpour of congratulatory cheering so it's very easy especially in that first 5 10k for you just to go out hard because you're so excited to be there you're finally doing it you've made it to race day That would be where I'd say, as much as you can, try and hold back. Because if you go too hard in the start, the damage will be done for your body further down the road. If you pace it out and you're going and everything's going well, and you think, right, my nutrition's going fine, and you still hit the wall, it sounds silly, but I sometimes say just accept it. So, an example for myself from London last year was it was very hot, come race day. So I. Got to race day. It was about 24 degrees and finished over Tower Bridge. I was still feeling pretty good, even with the heat. And literally, I just had to stop. I was like, you know what? I need to just stop and walk for a bit. Listen to your body. Don't kick yourself if you've had to walk. You might have had to walk in some of your training sessions. So just remember that you can still run. You know what you're doing. Accept what's happening. Try and control your breathing. And then just slowly get yourself back moving.
0: I really love that advice because... I think it then goes back to remembering why you're running, doesn't it? So if you are running to raise money and if you're running just across the finish line, then walking to catch your breath and just to get yourself back feeling OK again is so fine.
1: It doesn't matter if you walked it. If you crawl that last bit, you still have done something incredible that so many people haven't. So, OK, yes, you might reach that wall and it might hurt and you might get upset and that's fine. But... One, the crowd and the runners around you, that's one thing that's super incredible. Runners will notice and come over and even some of them will stop and ask you, are you okay? Come on, you can do this. Mm. We've only got yay far to go. You can keep going because everyone is dragging you. Everyone is behind you. No one's trying to make you finish or quit. People want you to finish and succeed. So yeah, if you reach it, accept it, process it and just keep going because you'll get to the finish and that's the most incredible feeling
0: the crowd is just so kind and I was having a really really tough time I think around 19 miles and I and I was tears streaming from my eyes and some and people notice, and then they just suddenly start shouting your name so this year I will actually be forking out and getting my name properly printed on a top
1: <laughs> yeah it's so worth it honestly yes by the end you'll be walking around and hearing people well done you're amazing go you and yeah sometimes when you're struggling and people are shouting at you you're like I'm trying but they're genuinely just trying to support you they're yeah. trying to give you everything that they have to keep you going so it yeah it's an incredible incredible feeling
0: Ah, it's so exciting and so to round off this chat and this series what is the one piece of advice which you want to share with welfare listeners for race day
1: enjoy every single second soak it up and also a lot of people struggle but be proud of yourself Mm. be proud for completing that distance and even just getting to that start line because yeah you're incredible
0: Great. Well, I'll see you at that finish line. Certainly. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Emma. And thank you, everybody.
2: Hi guys, I am back and today I have come out
0: to South London (laughs) to meet with the brilliant Briony Gordon, who you guys will no doubt know as the columnist at the Daily Telegraph. She's author of Mad Girl and podcast host of the same name. She's recently published a book called Eat, Drink, Run and has a couple of marathons under her belt and is this year about to strip off to her underwear to raise awareness of body positivity by running the Vitality 10K.
3: Yeah, with hopefully with lots of people listening now, they're going to come and join us. (coughs) We've got 600 women signed up to do it. Yeah. Wow. We're walking, by the way. Everyone should know right now. (laughs) Can we just walk for a bit? This is the thing. This time last year, I could run 20 miles. And because of various kind of, like, tedious, well, just, like, mental health issues, i.e. sometimes I can't get out of the house, even though I know, I know that running is good for you, I've just gone right back to the beginning and I'm doing, like, couch to 10k, which is kind of, like, humbling. So last year I did my second marathon with my friend Jay DeCesar, who's a plus-size model, and we did it in our underwear to show that women of all different shapes and sizes can do marathons and to show like the textures the to be like this is what my body is capable of and it isn't something to be ogled you know it's not about titillating people it's about like oh my god i can achieve amazing things with my body and we're so conditioned to kind of hate on our bodies i think yeah. that it was showing something different and we don't really see the textures of people's bodies anymore do we no They're kind of all filtered out it actually turns out that it was a really good outfit because it was like the hottest london marathon yeah. on record <laughs> A marathon is not a particularly accessible distance for most people and we wanted to encourage women to not hate on their bodies and we really wanted to get women who perhaps think they can't run and sort of tell themselves that they can't do these things. And we thought 10k was a really, like, brilliant, achievable distance but also, like, something to be really proud... Well, any distance is something to be proud of. So we've got lots of different women involved from plus size, quote-unquote, larger people to also we've got deborah james and lauren mahone who are hosts of the you me and the big c podcast yeah deborah has terminal bowel cancer loza is in remission from breast cancer so it's also like showing that our bodies are still capable of these things because you know in my head i thought well if you're going through chemo treatment for cancer you probably wouldn't be able to do that kind of thing and deborah's like No, I'm on really strong steroids. I just need to move the whole time. (laughs) But it is also about showing that, you know, for Deborah, it's like saying my body is keeping me alive right now. You know, taking it down to that basic thing. And running is free. You know, something we can all do. We can all do it. No, but if we've got two functioning legs, we can do it, you know. It feels like from the outside that when you signed up to the marathon and also to run in your underwear that you would have been... Like, my perception of that is, oh, my God, she felt really good about herself. Well, no, when I first signed up to a marathon, it was May 2016. And I was talked into doing it essentially by the royal family. That sounds so bizarre. (laughs) I was invited to the launch of Heads Together, which is the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and Prince Harry's um, mental health charity. She was talking about Heads Together was going to be the official charity of the London Marathon and I was like, Oh are you gonna do it? <laughs> and she was like, Oh I can't because of security and stuff like that. And I was like if I can do a marathon motioning at my rather larger body, something like an eighteen, size eighteen, you can. And I was like, I don't know why I said that, I've never done a marathon. Do you know what I mean? Like I've eaten a marathon and <laughs> someone said from heads together was like do you want to do the marathon and she was like are you gonna do the marathon I was like I guess I'm doing the marathon oh my god um so that was that but I wasn't like yeah I wasn't a runner so at that moment in time you weren't running at all no I'd done a bit of running like I'd heard that it was good for your mental health and stuff (laughs) like that and given that I have you know quite a lot of experiences of mental illness I was kind of like desperate so every now and then I'd get out of the house and pant around the common I wasn't what you'd call a runner do you know what I mean until I was yeah (laughs) but but
2: Um,
0: now
3: looking back on it
0: making that wild decision do you think that was perhaps one of the best you've made in the past
3: couple of years absolutely like I loved it it was it was one of the best things it was I learned so much about myself you know I have a really bad history of depression and obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm. And for me, as someone who sometimes felt quite like lost, it was amazing to have some structure. I knew I had to go out and do that long run, and I had to do my like, three shorter ones. And I, you know, if I was, wasn't going to let the Duchess of Cambridge down, yeah, right? <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then I... I loved it and and every week my body could do a little bit more than I thought it could the week before and that was like the most amazing confidence boosting thing, do you know what I mean? And it's really interesting because I don't look back on it now, I'm quite unfit at the moment, I've been ill, I've been, you know, I know it's there for me and I know I can do it now, so it doesn't matter, oh look, ducklings! Ducklings! I wish it wasn't a podcast and we could show you the cuteness. Yeah, they are very cute. But my God, this is what I love about getting out of the house and going for, even though we're walking now, like it's just that thing of literally, and I'm not the first person to say this and I will not be the last, but it's that getting out of your head and seeing the rest of the world go on. And I always say about mental illness is that it lies to you and it tells you you're a freak and it tells you that you're alone and it tells you that no one else is going to understand what you're going through and that's just bullshit yeah and when you go out get out of the house to do some exercise be it speed walking like us or occasionally jogging you know you you prove the mental illness wrong you know the world is still spinning do you know what I mean the world is not over and also I think for me like I really had to get past that whole thing of I'm not good at running because I'm not fast. I was going to say, like, how did you deal with, with those
0: thoughts? Because for somebody who doesn't suffer from mental illness, mm. marathon training can be quite mentally taxing anyway, and you can start having negative thought loops about, I can't do this.
3: OK, so people, people often, you often hear that thing said, don't you, that people have said to me, oh, 90% of it is about, is, is mental. Yeah. And I'm like, no, dude, I couldn't rock up. <laughs> without having done any training do you know what I mean and run a marathon like a lot of it is physical yeah. <laughs> you it there. but you do the physical so that you're mentally prepared I remember training for that first marathon and doing my first 10k before the Christmas and I couldn't believe it I felt like I was Mo Farah and then I was like fuck I've got to do that another three times yeah. <laughs> I was like I can't do it and I remember getting to the last long run, going out and running 20 miles. And at the end of that, I was like, oh, I've only got to do 10K on top of that. I'm really looking forward to it. And I was like, that's the beauty of it. But it shows me that what I believe to be true is not always true. And actually, I don't have to go to 26.2 miles. No. If I do two miles... I'm fucking winning. Yes. You know, like it's always that thing. Like I used to get obsessed about time. I was obsessed with how slow I was, and I've got huge boobs. Like, so what if I'm slow? Do you know what I mean? I was really like, it was all like me being less than. You know, oh, I can't do this. I'm, I'm rubbish. I'm this. I'm that. You know, it was it was me doing myself down. Well, God, was so good at that, right? Yeah. Well, I am anyway. I had to get past that because I remember after I did my first marathon, people were like, what was your time? And I was like, what was your time? And they were like, oh, I've not done a marathon. And I was like, well, there you go. Shut the fuck up. Yes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, my time. I can tell you my time exactly, my first marathon. And I'm fucking proud of it. It was five hours, 53 minutes. And I ran very slowly, but I ran. I never, I didn't walk at any point. You know, And I think it's really important that you hear the voices of people who run at that pace as well as the people that are doing sub four, sub three. I mean, like, they're, 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 like I can't even... Like, I'm in awe. Different I'm in, species.
0: I'm in awe. So if, if in the beginning you were yeah. like, oh, God, I'm so slow. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm not, I'm not doing great. How did you flip
3: it into something positive? Or well, because... Did you just not? I just didn't. I just had to accept that that was me and... There you know, more acceptance. Also, than... this is the fact that I was doing it. It was like like when we did the, the um, underwear marathon, it took us like seven hours. We kept on being stopped for selfies. We had to stop and do the Tower Bridge BBC interview. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I got heat stroke. Had to be hosed down by firemen. Oh. I don't remember that, which I'm really sad about, right? Yeah, I mean... The... And we got to the end. Got our medals. There were women running up to us going oh, I couldn't do that, I'm so ashamed of my body, and I'm like, your body that you're running a marathon with? But there were a few people at the end, like I noticed when people were posting our pictures up on Instagram going, seven hours, they didn't run a marathon, they walked it. And I thought, do you know what? Fuck you. Fuck you. you. A, why do you care? Do you know what I mean? Like... Walking 26.2 miles is still a pretty, like, amazing feat. And people who, when you get attitudes like that, it, it excludes people from the conversation and from the, not just conversation, but the activity. And, you know, so what if... So, I mean, I didn't, we didn't run the entire thing, but we probably ran, I would say, a good 20 miles of it. Yeah. <laughs> But, I should really be clear that most people, including people I know on Instagram who are sub-330 or whatever, were like, oh my god, that's brilliant. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And I think it's really important to know that me having said all of that, most of the time, the conversation we have within our heads about our rubbishness and our inability to do something... Is a conversation that there's only one person in it, and it's you, you, right? How do you snap out of that, though? Well, just to remember that everyone's in their own heads. Yeah. You know, like, I am the most important person in my world, but I'm not the most important person in your world. You know, and I think everyone's doing this for their own reasons, you know? Some people are doing it because they want to be the fastest. Some people do exercise because they want to be the strongest, you know? And some people exercise just because they want to remind themselves that they are alive and they're okay and they can do something
0: you've said in the past that you made a decision a few years ago to stop exercising for losses yes and start so exercising for games my
3: yeah I think I did in my 20s I would have crazy days where I'd go to like a spin class then I'd go and swim like a mile or whatever mm-hmm. and then in 2016 when I started training for the London Marathon, I realised I was doing it for my head. (laughs) I was doing it for the games. And once I saw it that way, I stopped thinking about speed. I stopped thinking about, you know, where I was going to (laughs) come. Like, who cares? I stopped thinking about, you know, how I might look. I feel amazing. I don't care what anyone thinks of my body. All I think about my body is, wow, I'm fucking cool. So... That changed things. And I think it's probably why I don't care so much about time, you know. And I really want people to know that if they want to sign up to do the 10K with us, it is isn't about time, you know. The point is we're out there and we're reclaiming our bodies instead of hating on them and celebrating our amazing bodies that keep us alive. The irony of it all is, is the fact that
0: Normally when people stop training for losses as well. Yeah. Is they actually
3: start to have the body which they've always chased. Yeah. Because I think sometimes you're just caught in a vicious cycle. Well, also, like, you know, you're never going to look like anyone other than yourself. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter how much weight you lose or how toned you get or what percentage body fat, you know, you have. There's still you in the mirror. Yeah.
0: And do you feel much better out running than, say, in a gym? Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
3: my God, don't you?
0: I've definitely never regretted going for a run. Yeah. And I've definitely yeah. always felt really good coming back off a run. But I think at times when I've been the most stressed in my life, yeah. going and doing a, a weights session has really helped. I've come to realise that... Of what exercise suits me when. So yeah. years and years and years ago, yeah. I used to just do hit training. Yeah. But I was highly stressed, <laughs> not sleeping yeah. properly. And I'm, I was just basically brutally attacking my body with yeah. exercise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I came out feeling worse, basically.
3: After the endorphins had gone. Because you have to constantly, like, find that. It's a bit like yeah. a drug hit, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you'd have to come down and... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's better than a drug hit, right? Well, I... Did, yeah, I say I mean, as, a, as a drug addict in recovery... Like, people that go to me, people go, do you find that you've become addicted to running? And I'm like, sadly, no. <laughs> sadly, no, I can't channel that addictive <laughs> process. I'm like, instead of drinking all the pints <laughs> and taking all the drugs, I'm just to run. I'm like, why doesn't it work like that with things that are good for you? <laughs> well, I think it does for some people. <laughs> it does. But I think it always... It
0: doesn't necessarily work out well in the I mean, end. It if clearly you does. It clearly does,
3: because <laughs> I did two marathons in two years. Yeah. Came out of rehab, did another marathon. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I got sober because of the marathon. Oh. It taught me that I always thought there were going to be these fixes that were going to make my life better. Yeah. And that if I ran a marathon, I'd quit drinking, and I'd quit all that behaviour, and I didn't. I mean, obviously, I did for the duration of running the actual marathon. Yeah. but. I'd still find myself going on benders and then going and doing long runs, like really pounding my body. And what I really learnt was, I remember I'd go on those benders and then I would go into terrible depression. It was suicidal a lot of the time. And then there was another occasion, the training for that first marathon, when I'd got into a real funk and I was trying to drink Mm. my way out of it. And then I had to go and run my 15 miler. And at the end of it, I just felt like, I, d- I didn't feel like a different person, but I couldn't believe how much better I felt. And I realized then that I had kind of, I had, it was very clear to me, I had two choices. Either I go the marathon route or I go the marathon drinking route. Yeah. <laughs> and I chose the marathon running route actually in the end. So the ma- I did the marathon in April 2017. Got sober quite soon after, went into rehab. Came out of rehab at Christmas 2017 and immediately signed up to do another one. (laughs) And I remember, I remember running a half marathon when I was like 53 days sober. I look back on it and go, what were you doing? Like they let me out to go and run a half the Royal Parks. Wow. So when I say that I don't get addicted to running. You kind of did. I'm talking bullshit. (laughs) So do you think running kept you sober for that time? I think, it, I think it got me sober. Right. I think it got me sober. It, it presented to me the options. It showed me that there was something different out there. That there was a, there was a whole other world on a Sunday morning. Yeah, <laughs> that you could be part of. That I could be part of. Yeah, it gave me... It showed me this other way and um, in a way that is like respecting your body and going, fuck, you can do some pretty cool things. You can run a marathon. You can get sober. Yeah. I remember people was going, you know, it's going to be really hard. I was like, no shit, Sherlock. That's like the point of a marathon. It's hard, right? I was like, yeah, it'll be hard. But it can't be any harder than the days when I can't get out of bed at all. And I remember getting to like mile 21 and being like... Eh. I can't go on. Will there ever be a time when I'm not running the London Marathon? I actually am still. I'm joking, sorry. Um, (laughs) Will there ever be a time when I'm not running the London Marathon? And then someone was like, Haribo, brighty, go! And I was like, why am I whinging? I've been through way worse than this. Get on with it, Gordon. And it was amazing. And Get on with it, Gordon. Yeah, it's like such a privilege to me. It's a privilege to be out here chatting to you and to have done a wheezy run-walk you know, um, and to be able to, like, I can... Running is always there for me, do you know what I mean? But I also have told myself there will be times when running, I, I can't for whatever reason, because I'm not perfect and no-one's perfect. And that's okay. It's okay that I did, I've did. done six say, months when I didn't do any running.
0: Are you now much better at being like, it's, it's not all or nothing? It's no. like, and that if, was just a bit on hold.
3: Yeah, and if I beat myself up for it and go, I'm a piece of shit, I'm so lazy, it's not, gonna, it's not, it's not actually going to make me be more likely to be kind to myself and make the decision and I was sort of going back to yesterday Mother's Day when my husband came in and was like he bought me a pancake and a half an avocado I was like what okay <laughs> and then he was like do you want to have a bit more of a lion and I was like no I don't I want to get up and I want to go for a run with you guys that's a choice I just wouldn't have been able to make for myself two years ago
0: and going back to the running in the underwear this year at the 10k yeah so to all the women that think I would love to do that, yeah, but I need to get in shape or i'd love to do that, but
3: oh my god, everyone 's going to see everything. How do they get out of their headspace well there 's strength in numbers for a start right. so the six hundred of us but also you don 't need to get in shape, you are in shape you 're in the shape you 're in like. I wish people would stop trying to aspire to be other people. Like, Mm. you are you. You are fucking brilliant, okay? You just need to be you and celebrate all the bits of you, you know? You will be getting, quote-unquote, in shape by signing up for it. Do you know what I mean? It's an opportunity for you to discover what you are capable of because you're capable of way more than you give yourself credit for. It's really fucking liberating as well. So to everyone that's listening in yeah. that says, I can't run, yeah. what do you say to them? Have you got two legs? Are they? Can you walk on them? You can probably run on them too. You don't have to run fast. You don't have to run far. Just jog. Enjoy it. Do it for 10 seconds. Then do it for 20. Then do it for 30. Anyone can do it. Anyone um, can do it. Get involved. Yeah. And if, if people are feeling up for it. Oh, and yeah. And you can get the link to sign up on my Instagram page. which says right. Bryony Gordon. See you there. See you there. Hi, thanks there thanks for getting me out of the house
0: thank you so much for listening to welfare your guide to conquering 26.2 if you've enjoyed this episode please do take 30 seconds to rate and review us on itunes it really does make all the difference and i and the team read absolutely everything you write which means the world to us new episodes will be released every sunday on all the usual podcast platforms so please do subscribe and never miss a notification Until then, thanks again to all of you for listening and supporting us and thanks to Mags Creative, the producers of this show.